Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Equine Tipster podcast. My name is Chris Bowers, I researched and wrote the podcast I'll be presenting today. This is the second audio podcast I've produced, but the first one was more of a test run of dodgy pilot episode and probably not worth going back to. I have two subjects I thought I might talk about. I will start with Charlie Appleby and then look at the change of surface at Saddle. The legend Charlie Appleby turned another page when he was presented with the Champion Trainer Award on Monday. The Trainers' Championship runs from January the 1st to December the 31st. The other trainers gave up, as Charlie was far too ahead to be caught. The measure is based on prize money instead of wins, which makes lots of sense when you think about it. Looking at the prize money is the best way to weigh the importance of one victory compared to another. Training achievements need to be reflected in the overall total, as it is very different to train a horse to win the Derby at Epsom compared to the happy birthday Gladys novice stakes at Southall. The drop-off after October in prize money, after the Champions Day meeting at Ascot, means it is hard to catch up again with a trainer who has a strong lead at that point. Surely an argument could be presented for some races with bigger prize money for flat trainers in the winter months to prolong the opportunities for competition. This would increase the amount of races available for the soft grain horses to run in, who are sometimes feel overlooked after the start of the season, unless we have a particularly British summer and it rains constantly. The Trainers' Championship is the one everybody wants to win, as it's extremely prestigious, and whilst trainers can be especially satisfied when they win a big race, this award represents consistent excellence over a prolonged period of time. It's Charlie's first flat race in training with the year victory, and he joins a select list including legends such as Henry Cecil, Sir Michael Stout, John Gosden and A.P. O'Brien. Charlie was chosen to succeed the disgraced Mamou Dallazzarini as Godolphin's trainer at Moulton Parks in 2013. He had previously worked for 15 years for Sheikh Mumahat as a travelling head lad, stable head lad and assistant trainer. Before that, he had enjoyed racing as a jockey in some point-to-point races and amateur flat races and I would love to know if there's any footage of that available anywhere. His stats were amazing for the Great Britain 2021 season. At the time of writing, his overall strike rate is 29% with 113 wins from 390 runners winning £4,888,314 in prize money. His three-year-olds when racing on turf won him £3,263,419 and would have delivered a £1 level state profit of plus £22.48p if you were back to all 136 of them. With an overall £1 level stakes loss of minus £34.18, it could be seen that the bookies are well aware of his capabilities and have shortened up their prices to the point where there's no value betting on these runners. The wins versus runners percentage was actually higher for his two-year-olds on turf than his three-year-olds on turf, which suggests that next season's crop of three-year-olds will be as good if not better than this one. That's an incredible thought. In order to make profit from his runners, we need to look at the best ways to back him. Following any trainer blind is not a good plan and can prove to be very expensive, especially if the winners have low prices or the trainer goes out of form. A much better idea is to carefully consider which of his runners will win and which will lose by selectively removing some of the runners where you can get ahead of the curve and into profit. This sounds like a simplistic strategy until you consider just how carried away people get with the horses of a trainer who at times can be carrying a 45% plus 14-day win rate. Although Charlie Appleby has a reputation for first-time out winners, 
it is wise to understand it is usually the job of William Buick to ride the best ones, and as such, these are the debutants to take notice of. You can always be sure an Appleby trained runner is primed for a debut run. He will have scored it well in both stall behaviour and racecraft, and will know every detail about the horse. His horses tend to progress after the first run, so always worth consideration at that point. William Buick offers us a clue when there are two horses in a race in which he has taken part. He gets to choose which horse he wants to ride, so it's a simple assumption to make that he would choose the better of the two. Like all jockeys in Buick's position, he still gets it wrong sometimes. If Charlie has two very good ones in a race, I have been known to tip them both, as I have been caught out by tipping the wrong one a few times now. Unless the horse is proven, it's not usually worth getting involved in Appleby horses low in the 4-5 to five to even money, as there are frequent overreactions in the market by both punters and bookers, which seriously reduce the value of returns. By eliminating most of the really short price horses, we will hit a bigger profit when we get a Charlie Appleby winner. Charlie Appleby horses may be awesome, but they're not magic, well, most of them, and will still get affected by the draw like any other horse. With the trend being to seemingly auto-back his runners, people don't seem to take it into consideration as much as they should. A stinker of a draw is very hard to overcome, and the competitor will need to be a level above the other horses or have luck in running to do so. At least a few of you would be thinking about how Adiar beat the widest draw in a derby, but I did mention some of the horses are magic. The time of year is also important to look at, as historical data helps us assess the ebbs and flows of a stable's profitability over a given time period. Using lifetime form, we can see that March, January, November and February all had a strike rate of 30% or better. We can also see there is no month for less than 20%. The stable is on the up. In the last 12 months, January, February, November, October, August, September and April all had a strike rate of 30% or better. The stable achieved a strike rate of 50% plus in both January and February. March was the worst month with a 15% strike rate. Now, to put that in context, a 15% strike rate is what a normal trainer might aim for, about 1 in 6. And that was at his lowest point. Okay, <laughs> uh, the class of race makes a difference to profitability. Uh, we can see that in Class 1 races in 2021, he finished plus £35.87, and in Class 3 races, he finished plus £5.01p. No other class of race is profitable. This does not mean we should not back him in the other classes, as he's a good strike rate of over 25% in all of them. But it does mean we need to be aware of the value we may be receiving from the bookmakers. So, just by following these simple steps... We should get bigger prices with less exposure to profits due to the amount of runners. These are just some of the many angles we can look at, and there are many, many angles we could look at. Charlie has had an excellent year winning a remarkable 17 three-point races worldwide. There wouldn't be an article regarding Charlie Appleby if we did not quickly mention a few of his stable stars. Yabir has an official rating of 120, and may have impressed at the Breeders' Cup, but it's worth noting that he's probably the third best three-year-old Charlie runs over a mile of four. As we will see, Charlie has at least one two-year-old who has a higher rating than Yabir. So, these are the horses we're going to quickly talk about. We've got the three-year-old Adia, official rating 127. He's one of my favourite Appleby horses, and he won the Epsom Derby and the King George. 
Charlie said the King George was the most satisfying of the races he has won this year. I would still love to know if Hurricane Lane would have beaten Adiar in the derby if his shoes had not fallen off. But the fact remains, Adiar beat a bad draw and a good field. He's huge, has relentless acceleration when asked, and is very eager in a race. Three-year-old Hurricane Lane, official rating 123, is my favourite horse in training, and won the Irish derby and the one mile and six cent ledger. After winning a good race at Longchamp in July over course and distance, I became convinced he could win the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe, but it was not to be. At least this year. Hurricane Lane is a workman like Stunner Frankel, who always gives his maximum. The unbeaten Cartier, two-year-old Colt of the Year winner, Native Trail, official rating 122, which will notice two points above your beer, was excellent winning both the Group 1 National Stakes and the Group 1 Dewhurst Stakes. He's said to be as big as Adiar, who in turn is as big as the jumps racing legend Denman used to be. I started off by saying they would need to increase the size of the starting stalls seen as a joke, but I'm becoming more and more convinced that this will have to happen as the horse has become unsettled when the size touch the size of the stalls. There's lots of ways around this, I know, like blankets and so on and so forth, but it gets to the point where they're actually having trouble fitting the horses into the stalls, as you could see from Adiar last year. Native Trail is second favourite behind Luxembourg uh, to win the Epsom Derby in 2022. Luxembourg, of course, being the very long-necked um, Aidan O'Brien horse. The one who may come to the fore next year is the two-year-old Haffert, officially rated 106. He's the only two-year-old I've ever seen who made me say, that one looks wild in running. The blue-blooded Dubari times Galileo Colt is out of a mare that was placed in a group three called Cushion, who is out of attraction. He won two classics. He cost Cadolphin the quite startling figure of 2.1 million guineas or 2,205,000 for those of us who are not rich enough to talk in terms of an out-of-date money system. He will go one mile as his minimum, and is likely to end up running in some big one mile and four races next year. On his third and last run of the year, he came third in the Group 3 by neck. Personally, I think the 50-1 to one for him to win the derby is crazy, and I recommended him to do so earlier in the year. That's everything I'll be saying regarding Charlie Appleby in this podcast, but I'm sure I'll discuss him and his horses many times in the future. I thought one, fe- uh, one feature I might do in the future is talk about each of his individual 17 Groupon victories. I thought that'd be really interesting, just looking at each of the individual races. So, now on to Saddle. Uh, we can see that Saddle is back with a brand new surface and both trainers, jockeys and horses seem pleased. The track surface is now to Peter, which gives only a small amount of kickback compared to a surface like 5%, as long as it's spread out correctly and not too deep. To Peter is a mix of silica sand, wax and fibres that simulates a turf surface. The question is, I guess, how the new surface will run. Well, from what I've read and observed over the years, to Peter runs a bit faster than fibre sand, but not quite as fast as Polytrack. This means there will be a little less of an emphasis on stamina and a little more on speed. To start with, the Tapita is likely to run slower than it will eventually settle down to be, as the course team gets used to the specialised course requirements. The previous draw bias, or post position if you're an international um, handicapper, uh, may be useful as a guide, but it will no longer be the real deal, which needs to be taken into consideration when using it to help you choose your selections. Uh, certain aspects of the draw have not changed, such as the distance to the first turn and the width of the track, just as a draw on a turf 
uh, course may change slightly in regard to the weather. The race course will now run differently because of the tapita. The tapita will allow the horses to act in a different manner at the start of the race compared to previously. Theoretically, there should be less of an emphasis on leading, which would mean the riders travel different paths over the opening furlong or two compared to before. Due to the change of surface, we will start to see better quality horses entering races and top trainers seeing the race course as more of a viable option for a run. The long and short of it all is the Sutherland Weather Race Course has returned to us as an upgraded and exciting prospect. Having another operational all-weather track is vital for the winter months. Once the weather starts to decline and the meetings get called off, the all-weather course will still be providing entertainment for thousands of people worldwide. I hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Equine Tips, the podcast, and there'll be another soon. Um, please leave me a positive review, as it will encourage me to keep producing the programmes, which will improve in time as I have more practice. So, thank you very much for watching. Uh, my name is Chris Bowers, and until next time, good luck, guys.